Hello everyone and welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast, the biggest and best and fastest growing Mariners podcast in all the land. How's everyone doing? I hope you're okay. I hope you can detach your sports fandom from your 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 real life and, and enjoy other things. Because being a sports fan is really stupid, isn't it? Uh, let's just open the show. Quick vibe check. Pain is all I feel. Nothing but pain. Um, it was a tough week. Definitely a tough week. Uh, we we were at the, the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals. And on paper, man, that was a tasty matchup. In reality, it was hellfire. Uh, I tweeted this out before the weekend, but I missed the entire series against the Royals. I was out of town without service, so I, I had to get updates when I could, but essentially I I got service again Sunday night and uh, looked at the box scores, watched, watched the highlights, and oh, oh man, thank God I missed those games. I was at a cousin's wedding, enjoying myself, and it would have been an awful weekend if I had to be subjected to what the Mariners just did in Kansas City. So... Um, yeah, so the vibe check is pain, um, nothing, nothing but pain, but let's start it out with what happened earlier in the week, There's a lot of hope, we wanted to bounce back from the Angels series, I was encouraged by the offense on Monday against the Angels in a victory, going on the road again to, back to Oakland, where we haven't been in a while, um, boy, looking back, even a week being hopeful was a mistake, and uh, God, uh, but the start of the week, some big roster moves, uh, Jake Lamb was designated for assignment, uh, and news came out yesterday, I believe, that he elected free agency, he cleared waivers, uh, and I think they, they opted, uh, they're gonna, option him to triple A Tacoma, but he rejected an option and elected to go to free agency. So Jake Lamb is once again a free agent. Uh, Taylor Trammell was optioned back to triple A Tacoma. He would uh, be called back up later in the week. Uh, but Luis Trenz was selected from triple A Tacoma and Jared Baseball Kelnick. JK, back up from triple A Tacoma, coming off a hot year. Dude, absolutely raked. Uh, I got he's not included in my minor league team of the year because I didn't want to include the forty man guys who I figured would be up and down all year. But man, he was maybe the Tacoma Rainiers best hitter all year. He he was on fire, um, and we'll talk about him a little bit more later in the show. But that's how we started the week, and it was looking good because. Uh, the vibe just felt better with Kelnick. I mean, he had a whole season basically in AAA, and he was just hitting really well. His approach looked a lot better. He came up. He looked like he was really enjoying himself with the squad. He looked happier. Um, very good to see. And uh, we're not rooting against the dude. We're all rooting for him. He's rooting for him himself. The The team wants him to succeed. Everyone wants him to succeed. Maybe not Mets fans. Um, but it was encouraging to see him back up, especially uh, defensive-wise, because he, he's good in the outfield. And he can run the bases really well. Um, at the very least, he does that. So that was interesting. Um, so we went to Oakland. The the 
awful Coliseum. We went, we're back. And it started off on the 20th of September with Luis Castillo on the bump. We had Luis Castillo versus J.P. Sears. Um, and I I didn't like this matchup going into the game. I mean, Luis Castillo, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Um, and we'll get to his little extension later in the show once we get past all the pain. Uh, but J.P. Sears is one of those guys who has our number and we can just never seem to hit. And that proved proved correct again today. Uh, and he's a pretty solid starting pitcher, I will say. But, ugh, good lord, man. Just terrible. Um, Julio was back, which was encouraging initially. Um, it was a good lineup. I think it was the best lineup we could have put out at the time against a lefty. Um, but I will read you the pitching lines. Luis Castillo, he took the L. He went four and two-thirds, gave up six hits, four earned, two walks, and four strikeouts. While J.P. Sears went five five innings of one hit, one run, not earned, baseball, with three walks and seven Ks. What happened? This was just the, the game notes I have for this game are pain. That is all that I wrote down because I sat and watched this entire game and barely said a word. It was it just it was just bad. That motherfucker Tony Kemp has a, he's the Luis Renjifo of the A's. I tweeted that out and it couldn't be more correct. What did we do to these dudes? What did we do? Like it reminds me of Elvis Andrews on the Rangers and Elvis Andrews somehow still haunts us on the White Sox. But it reminds me of that. It's just like, there's a, there's a couple guys who just destroy us. Like, and I'm not counting Mike Trout because he's fantastic against everyone, particularly against us. But like Tony Kemp's just he's a mid baseball player, and I I like Tony Kemp. Don't get me wrong. I, I he's a he's a fun little baseball player. But good God, he he's been he's had our number. And why, why, why Tony Kemp? Why? Yeah, uh, we lost this game 4-1. to one. I, It's hard talking about these games because it's just depressing. The bullpen guys did come in, and they didn't give up any runs. They looked good, which is fine. But it's just the offense never looked like they wanted to do anything related to getting runs. They looked very allergic to doing anything. And so we, we lost the opener 4-1 to one, uh, with one hit. Which is fantastic. That's exactly what you want to start a road trip uh, with. Or a road series with, I should say. Uh, just pain. Just a lot of pain coming from this game. Uh, we went into the next game on the 21st. And and Caprillion is on the bump for the Oakland A's. James Caprillion, another guy who has seemed to pitch really well against the Mariners this year. Um, and and again, he did just that. Robbie Ray on the bump, and Robbie Ray looked great. He did he did what any, pit, any great pitcher should do against this Oakland A's lineup, and he shut him out. He went six innings, three hits, no runs, three walks, and seven Ks. That's a fantastic start. James Caprillion went seven innings, two hits, no earned, no runs at all. 
one walk and six Ks. Uh, AJ Puck came in and gave up the lone run that the A's gave up in the game, and Domingo Acevedo closed the game out, while our dear Eric Swanson came in, <sighs> and he was responsible for the two earned runs that would end up losing us the game. We lost 2-1 to one after losing 4-1 to one against the Oakland A's in Oakland. And Julio, Julio looked good in this game, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, he's back. Nope. IL. So, it I, the game notes I have for this game as well. Um, let me look. Let me look. Uh, pain. Again, more pain. Like, right, you can't even point to one thing that went wrong in either of these games. JP Sears and James Caprillion just looked fantastic. We made them look amazing. And again, the offense just looked like, oh, no, we're good. We don't want to score any runs. We're fine. <laughs> so we go, it's similar to the Angel series. We lost the first, the Angel series was we lost the first three, won the last one. The A's, we lost, we lost the first two. And hopefully we're going into the 22nd of September uh, to salvage a single victory from this series. And that is exactly what we did. This game was a lot more fun, but even in the fun there was a lot of pain because Julio would come out and eventually go on the IL for the same back injury he missed the majority of the Angels series for. And apparently they didn't get x-rays when that happened. Uh, he got x-rays, um, and I don't think it's really anything terribly serious, but he did have to go on the 10-day IL, which sucks a lot. Um, and we are just hoping that it's not a, a long-term structural issue. And I've, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying, how can a 21-year-old have back pain, lower back pain? And let me tell you, it's possible. I am I am very close to Julio's age. I'm a little older than him, not very close. And I have quite a bit of lower back pain. And he is, he's got considerable more height, muscle, and strain on that back on a day-to-day -day basis. So listen, don't dog the young kid for back pain. It happens, all right? It just so happens this is coming at the worst stretch of our season for some reason. Uh, this game was more fun, but the one the, the pain was, one, Julio went out, and two, George Kirby just was not looking like George Kirby this game. From the from the onset, after the first inning, I was like, no, he just doesn't have it. It wasn't even one thing. He just he wasn't locating his fastball. He wasn't locating anything really well. His two-seamer looked a little flat. His slider wasn't really getting the most downward movement it usually does. And he just didn't have it, plain and simple. And I'm not super worried about it because he's been, he's been nailed this year uh it should it was just tough to see because uh he's been so good and his best asset is his command and his fastball and he just didn't have it uh he went two and a third gave up seven hits five earned runs three walks and a strikeout the three walks is astounding because i found this i found the stat during the game he the previous seven starts for us uh, he walked four guys. This start, he walked three. And it like it wasn't competitive walks. 
That was the most three ball, three oh, three one counts I've seen him in all year. Uh, and he just simply didn't have it. But thank God the offense picked him up. Because he had been picking up this offense all, all fucking year, it seems. So the offense picked him up. And we, we raked. Thank God, we raked. Uh, Adrian Martinez was starting for the A's. He went five innings, six hits, five earned, two walks, and seven Ks. His his changeup and his stuff was working. He's got nasty stuff, but he also wasn't locating it well, and we took advantage of that. And we took good advantage of that, thank God. Um, everyone kind of got in on this. Um, Julio, before he went out, he did have a, a double, which is nice. Hanniger had a couple hits. Uh, Ty France had a couple hits. Uh, Jared Kelnick hit a nuke and had a double. He looked fantastic. It was the first game we saw him in. Uh, he played left left field and, re- and uh, center. He played good defense. He came in. He socked a dinger. Looked good up at the plate. He had a walk as well. Um, so there's a lot of good takeaways from this game. Uh, but it's just tough because it was overshadowed by Kirby looking terrible and Julio on the IL. But at least we did salvage a victory. We did. Uh, we'd won 9-5. And the bullpen really did actually look fantastic. They came in uh, and were responsible for getting six and two-thirds. And that's not usually what you're needing your bullpen to do. But Matt Brash came in. Matty Boyd spun two great innings. Paul Sewald, Diego Castillo, Penn Murphy, and Andres Munoz all pitched in this game. None of them gave up any runs. Between all those guys, they gave up two hits. And that's just great. And we won 9-5. That was a pretty painless game. That was a real treat. It was very similar, eerily similar even, to the Angels series where it was just a bunch of stinky baseball. And then the last game was just, it was nice. You know? It was it was nice to see the offense alive and particularly Jared Kelnick looking good and enjoying himself out there. So that was at least one good takeaway. Uh... Big Dumper was back, too, in this game, and he looked fine, so that was encouraging. Um, but really, it was yeah, Julio Hurd again and, and George Kirby. Uh, not looking good. That was pretty tough. That was pretty tough. Um, but so, so we go into Kansas City taking one of three from the Oakland A's. Not ideal. But it was this was after the Angel series too. It was like, oh, we have another bad team coming up, you know? We have another team we can totally handle, right? Like they're not very good. Uh <laughs> so we go to Kansas City on the twenty third. Uh and I, I've I did not watch a lick of these games, but I watched the highlights, I looked at the box scores, so I, I, I got a grasp on what exactly transpired here. Marco Gonzalez had a very Marco Gonzalez-y type of start. He went five innings, gave up eight hits, uh, four runs, only three of them were earned, and two strikeouts. Um, that's not a terrible start. It's not a good start. That's just a mid-start, and it's fine because, you know, you give up four runs, our offense can put up four runs. But, unfortunately, Brady Singer looked fantastic. I did watch his highlights in particular. He looked great. We only got one run from this game, and it was... It was from him, and it was uh, Cal Raleigh home run in the second inning, which is good to see. Dumper with his 24th on the year. Uh, but that was it. That is all we got from Brady Singer. He went seven innings, five hits, one earned run, two walks, and eight Ks. 
and really, I mean, those hits were fine, but really the only the only hard contact he really gave up was Kyle Raleigh. So this one was tough, but we got blanked by Brady Singer, and we just couldn't. You couldn't get it done against their other bullpen guys that came in and closed the game out. But Brady Singer has been fantastic this year. They have a good one there. He's been really good all year. Very good movement on his pitches. When he's locating, he's locating. And it's just hard to hit a sinker ball guy like that. Um, And he's pitching like he should. Uh, I think they took him in the first round a few years ago. I want to say it was... I want to say it was the the Logan Gilbert draft. Um, he went uh, out of uh, I don't know. I think Florida. He went to college, but he looked really good. Um, and this game was just more pain. I realize, which is pretty tough. It's pretty tough. We lost. We lost five one, and it's it it feels like it's happening again. I mean, I wasn't watching the series, but it just feels like it was like, ah, shit. Ugh, ugh, God. So, we go into game two with the Royals needing to pick it up. And it's a good thing Logan Gilbert's on the bump. But, man, he didn't look great. The highlights I saw, he didn't look that good. Which is tough. He was going up against Chris Chris Bubich, Bubich, uh, who's definitely a pitcher, definitely a a, a pitcher in the major leagues. Um, <laughs> but Logan went five innings, seven hits, five earned runs, one walk, and three Ks. You know, that's not a very good start. Thank God the offense, much like with Kirby's start, they picked them up, and we ended up taking the dub, six to five. Uh, Chris Bubich went four and two thirds, five hits, three earned runs, walked four, and struck out six. Very weird line, um, but it was a tie game going into the ninth. Uh, and Jared Kelnick got on, Jesse Winker got on, and uh, Big Dumper doubles them home in the ninth to save us after hitting a two-run dinger in the top of the sixth to tie the game. So really, Logan Gilbert, Walter, owes it to his his main man behind the plate for winning this game for him. And thank God. Man, he's had a good week. Uh, I'm trying to find good takeaways from this game. I mean, the guys in the bullpen came in and looked good again, which was encouraging. Obviously, the the next game was uh, tougher, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Kelnick had a, a really good throw to get Vinny Pesca, Pescatino at second base. He, he tried to stretch a very long, long hit single into a double, and Jared gunned him down. That was good to see. Jared also went two for five. Uh, so he's he's been definitely a, a real viable MLB hitter since he's been up here these couple games, which is nice. Ty France had three hits. He looked He's been looking more like Ty France ever since that approach change that he made before the the fourth game against the Angels on Monday last week. He looks great. So whatever the hitting coach and him hashed out about his approach um, and his swing at the plate has definitely worked because he's looked like Ty France this week, which is is, is very good. Is very good. Uh, so we, we get the win. We actually won a second game of the series. So we go into the third game. And it's tied one to one. 
this is this is better than we've had the last two series is. And so we go in on Sunday, the 25th. And you're like, oh, Luis Castillo's on the bump. Perfect. He's exactly the guy you want in this game to close out a series and we get some momentum, maybe. You know, we get a series victory and we get some momentum. Uh, and this and this is Luis Castillo fresh off the ink that hasn't even dried yet from his extension. And he's taken the bump to hopefully hopefully win a series against a bad team for us. He's going up against uh, another Castillo, Max Castillo, who is not quite as good as Luis Castillo, but they both had quite similar pitching outings. Luis Castillo, he went five and a third, seven hits, gave up five earned runs, walked three, and struck out five. Not good. Not good. He was he looked great for like four innings, and then um, the fifth... And the well, well, the sixth haunted him. He got through five uh, and gave up two. It was a very solid start through five, and then he came out in the fifth, and uh, that's kind. Of, that's when it all collapsed. Um, I, I, I can't believe this game happened. I, I legit can't believe this game happened. The, the I, I thought it was fake. I, I loaded it up on Sunday night when I got service again, and I saw the score. And I was like, holy shit, okay. It was a very high-scoring game. I did not know what I was in for when I looked at the box score. <laughs> we hang eight in the fifth. Eight runs in the fifth inning, and it was like a lot of two-out, just singles with the bases loaded or walks with the bases loaded. It was, it was, it was great situational hitting. They actually had runners in scoring position and hit them home instead of grounding into a double play with the bases loaded or two guys on like they have been love loving, absolutely loving to do this year. Um, and, and at that point, I can imagine the vibes are, are so good for everyone. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to get the series victory finally. We're going to carry some momentum going into these final couple of weeks after looking pretty mediocre the last week, and everything will be all well and good. But no, the Mariners can't let you have that, because then the then the Royals come storming in in the sixth inning and put up an 11th spot. I, I am so, so, so happy I didn't watch this game. I can't imagine my rage if I was watching this game as it happened. I was pretty pissed off just watching the highlights. I can't. I feel for all of you who are listening to this who actually watched this game and saw this transpire. Because after this, uh, this is like a this is like a cancel the season. This is like a pack watch, rip bozo sort of moment. Like what the what the fuck, guys. And we end up losing this game 13 to 12. I mean, what more is there to say? You score 12 runs in a game, and I think you probably win that game 99.9% of the time. Like, it was something, I don't know the exact stat. It was like there have been like 700 games with a team with like a nine run lead, uh, and they've won those games consecutively until right now. The Mariners like snapped that streak. Like, what happened? Matt Festa came in, gave up a couple runs. Matt Brash came in, gave up a couple runs. Eric Swanson came in, gave up a couple runs. That was after Luis Castillo gave up 
a home run and let some guys on, and, and then the bullpen came in and gave up uh, eight more to make it 11 in that inning. And good Lord. Good Lord. So we drop another series this week. Uh, and and that is how the week of baseball ends. We win one against Oakland. We lose the series two to one. We lose the Kansas City series two to one. And I don't even know what to say. That's why the vibe check was pain. I was just hoping I'd come back from my my serviceless weekend and see like some nice, good W's on the wins. In the, in the win column, and I saw nothing but more and more pain. And you know why? I poured over the tape. I've looked back on this week of baseball, and I think we were all forgetting one crucial thing, is that these are the Seattle Mariners we're talking about. These are the Seattle baseball Mariners, and we can't forget how we may be one of the most cursed franchises ever created in the history of the world. Um, there's not much more to say than and you need you wear the Seattle Mariners. It's just really upsetting. I, uh, I, I, we were getting a little confident. I will, I will say even I fell victim to this. I think there was some hubris in the fan base. We were kind of on top of the world going into the angel series. And I thought the angel series was honestly like, it wasn't good, but I was going to convince myself it was good because it was going to humble us, you know? It was going to humble the team, the fan base, the front office. would be like, you know, you can't forget these are the Mariners and you still have to be playing baseball. You can't play down to these teams. You got to you gotta win. You got you to gotta win these games, man. <sighs> it's just frustrating. And I think we just got a little confident, overconfident, because we were looking at the wild card standings. Even I said it last week, or uh, two weeks ago, and it was like, man, this is just best possible scenario. We have a 99% chance to make the playoffs. The three teams we're battling with are all playing each other, basically, and playing much harder schedules down the stretch. We have the easiest schedule in baseball the next few weeks, which is partially why that playoff percentage is 99%, was 99%. And, uh, man, it came crashing down this week. Three straight series losses in just ugly fashion to the Angels, the A's, and the Royals. And it's just brutal. It's just brutal. Uh, we We can't forget, though, like these teams, the Angels less so. The Angels actually have good players, like when they're healthy and we played them when we were healthy. Um, but if you told me, like, if you told me this was going to happen, I wouldn't believe you. But so Julio's on the IL and Eugenio's on the IL, right? Those are our two most valuable guys by war this season. And so that's, that's tough to get over as an offense, first of all, with your two most run-creating hitters not playing. Uh, and that's not an excuse. It's just tough to get over it. But we were playing these terrible teams, and we can't play down to these teams because they're playing baseball. It's not like these teams are trying to lose. There's no tanking in baseball, really. I mean, there is, but there's not, you know? Like, the players aren't tanking. The players aren't... Like, these teams have so many young guys. The A's and the Royals all have so much youth, and all of those guys are playing their ass off. They're just playing baseball. They're trying to 
to prove that they can be a major league ball player. And hats off to them. I mean, they're, they're just going to keep playing baseball. They're playing for a contract, a lot of these guys. And the Mariners roll in the town and, and look sluggish and bad, and they take advantage of that. It's like these teams are bad, yes, but and on paper we should beat them. But they're still playing baseball. They're not playing any less hard than we are. If anything, they're playing harder because they're young. They got a chip on their shoulder. Like I said, they're they're playing for a future contract. They're playing for to arbitrate better next year. They're playing for a roster spot next year. They're playing to to get into the spring training lineup next year. Like it's they're not not playing baseball. <laughs> I just man, it's just brutal. Um, after that loss yesterday, apparently, um, according to numerous Mariners writers, um, they had a team meeting, uh, Shannon Dreher, shout out to her on Twitter. She tweeted, uh, what service said, quote, disappointing loss. We haven't played good baseball on this trip. End quote. Uh, service held a short team meeting, told them that the next 10 games will define where they're at said they let their guard down today. Uh, quote, you always have to have that edge. We've got to get back to playing good ball, end quote. I mean, yeah, what is Service supposed to say? I mean, definitely some of this falls on him, but it's true. They played bad baseball on this trip. they got to get back to playing good baseball. They need to make the playoffs. They need to go into the playoffs playing good ball. They can't limp into the playoffs. Like, yes, the drought is, it was the goal, is to end the drought, but you got to have bigger aspirations than this. You know, we're, we're trying to win a championship. Ending a drought is cool and all, but once that happens, everyone will forget about it, and we're just another team who's trying to win a championship. It's good they had a team meeting, closed doors. Um, I'm sure Scott said a lot of good things. I'm sure there were quite a few players who stepped up and probably said a lot. Um, and hopefully... Hopefully things get better. Hopefully they at least start playing with an edge, like he says. I think it'd be less of a blow if if they were just pushing themselves out there. And some of the time it just looks like they're just lollygagging out there. Dude, it's just so brutal. Uh, just Hopefully we get Julio and Eugenio back in the next week or two. And we go into the playoffs as healthy as we could be. And actually playing good baseball. Uh, I hope. I don't know what to expect from this team. Because the starters haven't looked as good. The offense has looked pretty good. Uh, the, the pitching has faltered. And of course we. When the pitching falters. The offense gets better. And when the pitching is lights out. The offense is shitty. That's just how I feel like my entire life. Watching the Mariners is gone. They, they need those two things to come together. And do good things together. It's just tough to watch a team with big playoff aspirations like this just fail to to win games they should win. It's just I'm I'm at a loss for words. It's just really tough. Um, but all right, moving moving on from the pain. Uh, some good takeaways this week. Jared Kelnick. In his four games back up with the Seattle Mariners, he has 18 plate appearances. He's slashing 375, 444, 750. Good for almost a 1,200 OPS with a home run, two RBIs, two walks, and three strikeouts. So, 
That's a, the most small, small sample you can ever, ever get. That's four games. But he's looked like a legitimate major league hitter, which is all we can ask for. Um, other good things this week, Cal Raleigh and Ty France both this week are... Uh, their OPS is over a thousand. JP's been been having a way better approach at the plate. Uh, Winker even is getting more more hard contact, and his approach looks a little better. Guys who have faltered a little bit. Uh, Sam Haggerty doing more hasn't looked great. Mitch still looks like there's just something wrong. I don't know. It, it's just Mitch looks like it's not even that he's not hitting well. It's just it's that approach thing I was talking about. It's just he he has some very good at bats in a game, but then there's some where he's just three swinging strikeouts, three stringing swinging strikes. And then he's gone. It's just, there's some really non-competitive at bats for him. And that's not what you want to see from a veteran on your team who has a track record. We know he can hit, we know he can be an above average hitter. It's just, I don't know what the problem is. And it's tough. He's in a contract year because I want the team to resign him, but after what he's done these past couple weeks since being back, it's just, man, he's looked bad. But the good thing is I'm at least Jared Kalanick has looked good. Uh, let's rest our laurels on that, you know? That's fun. <laughs> that's, like, that's good. Imagine he has a big playoff moment for us. Imagine he makes the big league roster at the start of the season next year and and hits above the Mendoza line and plays good defense. I, you know, there's a, there's sky's the limit. He can't really get much worse than this. Uh, and it's good to see him back. And he looks like he's enjoying playing baseball again. So that is very, very, very good to see. Uh, other good news on the Mariners front coming out of this week is uh, I mentioned earlier Luis Castillo signed an extension. I missed this until I saw it yesterday when I came back. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Man, he, he's looked pretty mid these past couple starts, but we know how good of a pitcher he is. We know how good of a pitcher he is, and it's huge that the team is committed to to bolstering the rotation like this. They spent all that money on Robbie Ray, uh, and now they just re-signed Castillo, which is key because I didn't want them to go into next year not having re-signed him to at least some sort of extension. Because we would have had him all of next year, and then he would have been a free agent after the 2023 season. Um, but that's, I don't know, sometimes shit can change really quick. So, very good um, that we re-signed him. He appears, there's a video, and he talked a little bit, he gave an interview. He, he appears to really like it in Seattle. The fans have definitely given him all their support. Uh, and he says everyone in the organization has treated him really, really well. Um, and he clearly likes a lot of the dudes in the clubhouse. Um, I think he really likes working with Cal and the pitching staff uh, and the pitching coaches. Uh, he clearly just likes it here, and that's – I think he likes the hunger in a lot of these guys to win. Um, I would want to stay on a team with Julio Rodriguez on it, personally. Um, but I will read some of the details. So they agreed to a contract extension. Uh, it is a five-year, $100 million extension with the M's. It could be worth up to $133 million based on a vesting option for the 2028 season. Um, and if the option does vest, um, it would be because Castillo throws 180 innings in 2027. So uh, the Mariners can also receive a $5 million club option for Castillo's services for 2028. Should he miss 
more than 130 days in 2025 to 2027 due to a UCL repair procedure. That's a weird thing to throw in there. Almost like they know something. Um, but, I mean, you're getting older. He throws really hard. And and you wouldn't want to have him have that option vest without a little bit of a safety net there in case he does have to get, like, Tommy John or, or something like that. Praying that he never has to get that in his in his career with us, but you never know. Um, he will receive a full no trade clause for the extensions first three seasons as well. So, no matter what, he's here for at least three more years. Well, actually, no four because it says the extensions first three seasons, and next year is not included in the extension. We would have had him anyway. So. That's huge. So we have him at least till uh, 2025, 2026. Um, and it could go all the way to 2028. And by then, who knows? Maybe he'll love it here and he'll we'll re-sign him a couple more years. I don't know. That's just big news. I love that. Huge, huge fan of this. Because um, now you go into the offseason and you know you have your front line. You know you have four guys who are above average starters. Who that, That's a good starting four. Uh, Kirby, Logan, Robbie Ray, and Luis Castillo. That is a that is a top five starting four in a rotation right now. I think like that is fantastic. You add another solid guy or two, or keep Marco around. I don't know. Chris Flexen was around. I don't. There's a lot of options, but this is good because now they can they can focus their off season money predominantly towards maybe another bullpen or another uh, backline starter, but predominantly towards the offense. Uh, and bolstering the offense because that is absolutely what they need to do right now. Uh, they need depth and starting guys for the offense right now. So this is huge. Um, and more about this, um, Jerry Depoto said this about about him. Uh, quote: Luis has been one of the top pitchers in the MLB over the past six seasons. He is a dynamic power pitcher in the prime of his career with a track record of consistency. Bringing him to Seattle represented a key moment in our ongoing efforts to build the championship roster. Similarly, this deal illustrates our continued commitment to both the present and the future of this team. And then um, a little bit of what Luis Castillo had to say. He said, quote, I feel great. Every baseball player wants to have a dream like this become a reality. I'm happy I was able to accomplish this with the Mariners, and I want to thank everybody in the organization for treating me so well, end quote. So, just great to see. Looks like it's just a match made in heaven. I said it in his first start. He looks like he belongs in a Mariners jersey. I don't know what it is. He just looks looks like he was born to wear an M's jersey. And he he has an opportunity to, to be a part of something really special with this team. And uh, we should all be so excited to see him pitch for us for the next five years at least. So that's huge news. That was very good news. So it's not all pain this week. It's not all pain. It's just majority pain, which is my life as a fan of this baseball team. Majority pain, some good things, especially for the future. So that's very good. Love that. Love that. Um, health update. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to do a health update, guys. Hulu and Eugenio are still in the I.L. It's just pain. Both those dudes are so good. We need them. This offense needs them. And the defense needs them, to be quite honest. 
Um, that's it. I'm done talking about the Mariners. I'm at, uh, except I'll, I'll give a playoff update and and what they're supposed to be playing, who they're supposed to be playing the rest of the week. But um, I'm logging off. I'm uploading this pod. And I'm not thinking about them until they play tomorrow. Uh, playoff update. The wildcard standings as we speak. Toronto is uh, now two games ahead of Tampa Bay as I speak and two and a half games ahead of us. They've been playing really, really good baseball this last month. Really, really good baseball. They look like a very dangerous team. Uh, and Tampa Bay is a half game up of us. And we sit in the third wildcard spot. Still four games above Baltimore. Uh, they played a really tough series against Houston this week. Uh, they took Houston to the brink of. They, there were some high-scoring games in there, um, but the the Astros did us a favor and and they won the last two games of that series to keep it uh, at four games in the wild card for us. That was very nice of you, Astros. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Astros also just surpassed 100 wins. They have 101. They're really really fucking good, and I hate it because they're just a well-oiled machine of an organization. They lose guys, they gain more guys. Their player development's fantastic. Justin Verlander's an alien. Uh, And unfortunately, they have a lot of really cool, fun guys to watch. But this isn't an Astros pod. They just did us a favor this week, so that was very nice of them. Uh, The White Sox and the Twins are cooked. Absolutely cooked. Uh, everyone else just got eliminated from playoffs um, contention in the in the AL. I mean, Minnesota, there's they're one loss away from doing that. The White Sox are a couple more losses away. Really, it's only the top four, and and Baltimore's got a tough schedule. It's we're not out of the water yet. We're only four games up, but we just got to start playing better. We just got to start playing better um, because, like I said. This is this is screaming a uh, second wild card spot to me. This team, which is terrible, we would hate that. Uh, we could have taken we could have taken advantage of playing three pretty below average teams this past week and a half, and uh, taken a lead in in the in the wild card to go up at the first wild card spot, and yet we did not. We're tanking for the third one, which I respect. Um, like I said, we would, we don't want the second wildcard spot. I do not want to play the Toronto Blue Jays or go to the Toronto Blue Jays or even go to the Rays if they take over and the Blue Jays just fail and get the third spot. Nobody wants a second wildcard spot because I don't want to go play the Blue Jays, even though the VAX requirement is now lifted. I would much rather go to the Guardians. Obviously, you want the number one spot, but I don't know. The way the team's playing, they're not better than the Blue Jays. They're not better than the Rays. They're not playing better than them. So, man. And the Guardians are playing fantastic baseball. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. They're playing great ball right now. So, even if we, we get this, we need to be playing good baseball enough to... To beat the Guardians, because if you remember the two series is the last month with them was very, very tight. Very, very tightly fought. They're a super tough team. So that is a wild card update. Um, we are just hanging on by a thread and just hoping the Orioles keep losing. Uh, and then the last thing about the Seattle Mariners. 
we are going back home to Seattle. Hopefully, hopefully, they do well against the Rangers. We got the Rangers at home, and then the A's at home. Uh, And then we finish the year with a four-game set with the Tigers at home as well. So we're at home the rest of the year, which is really nice. Uh, And we're playing the Rangers, the A's, and the Tigers. Um, And I don't want to say what I said a couple weeks ago about these past couple series, but, man, no, no, man, guys, can you beat these teams, please? Can you just beat the bad teams and go into the playoffs on a high note? (laughs) We're at home. It's Mariners' values game all week against the Rangers. The stadium should be close to sellout for every one of these games. They've been playing terribly, but that makes it even more so that we need to sell out these games. The fans need to support this team, and now more than ever. Uh, and and that's what this rest of the week is looking like. I am excited, cautiously optimistic about watching them play in front of a great home crowd in late September and October with something on the line. That just gives me juice, and hopefully they can they can reward the fans that show up and uh, and break the postseason drought officially at home. So let's just pray for good vibes for that one. Um, and that's I'm done with the Mariners talk. I'm going to get out of here pretty soon, but just an update on what happened in baseball. Uh, I missed it, but Albert Pujols hit two home runs in a game on Friday, I think, and got to 700. Congratulations, Albert Pujols. All-time, all-time player. If you want to have some stupid fun, go and look at Albert Pujols' stats on the Cardinals, uh, his first stint on the Cardinals. It looks fake. Some of those numbers, some of the seasons he had was a were just crazy. This dude's been playing at a high level the whole year. What is crazy is he was so bad on the Angels. And he comes to the Cardinals, and this is one of his best seasons in a decade. He's had a tremendous season to get to 700 this year. It's it's astounding. It's some stupid Cardinals devil magic. Which I've said to a lot of people that I know. It feels like a Cardinals year to me. I know the Dodgers are very good. Uh, It'll be tough to get past them. It'll be tough to get past the Mets and the Braves, even. And then, like, I don't know, you can meet the Astros in 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 the final. You can meet us. You can meet the Yankees, the Blue Jays. It just feels like a Cardinals year. There's a there's a devilry feeling to this year and it just feels like a cardinal sort of year. And I hope I'm wrong to be quite honest with you. Uh, but that's what it feels like. I call him like I see him. Uh, so that was very cool. Pujols joins the 700 home run club. One of the most exclusive clubs in, in the history of baseball. Only four guys, bonds, bonds, Hank and, and babe are the only guys in there. Um, the next closest is a rod with 696. And again, I still can't believe he didn't come back and try to get 700. But four guys in the history of this sport have hit 700 home runs. That is special. Special player, widely respected among his peers, among the fans. Just an absolute baseball legend. And if he retires after this season, which it looks like he's going to do, he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer in uh, in four or five years, whenever that vote is. He will be absolutely 
He might be unanimous. He should be unanimous. There will probably be a couple people. There was always some steroid talk in the 2000s with him, as there were a lot of guys, which maybe will prevent him from being uh, being unanimous, but that's pretty stupid. He was never busted. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever. We're not talking about that. But that's very cool. I don't think he'll catch Babe Ruth unless he comes back next year. He's got 14 to go to tie him. <laughs> But, I mean, if he plays next season, he could. But I, I think he's confirmed that he's retiring. So, uh, congratulations to Albert Pujols. Uh, and I will move on to the last thing this week. And it's a Triple Crown update for Aaron Judge. Uh, a multi-Triple Crown update. Because, as of right now, he leads the American League in average. Or he's tied for the lead with Xander Bogarts. It's basically, it's them three. So there's Judge, Bogarts, and Luis Arias of the Twins. Uh, Bogarts and Judge are both batting 314. Arias is batting 313. So that's really close in terms of average. Uh, and he is, leads the American League in RBIs by 11. That looks like a pretty safe lead. He's tied with Pete Alonso for the lead in the, in the entire MLB with 128, which is absurd. And it's a funny home run chart to look at because he leads the league by so much. He's got 60. Uh, he is close to breaking Maris's record. Uh, I think he probably will. There's a lot of games left. I think it'd be pretty funny, honestly, if he didn't, if he just ended the year with 60. Um, but he's basically got, in the AL at least for a triple crown, he's got home runs and RBIs locked up. That's just average. Um, and there was talk of an MLB triple crown, which... I don't see happening at all. I mean, it could. So there's three guys above him in average right now. Paul Goldschmidt, Jeff McNeil, and Freddie Freeman. Uh, Goldschmidt and Jeff McNeil are both hitting 317, so three points above Judge. He could pass them by the time the year's up. But Freddie Freeman is hitting 328 and doesn't look like slowing down. Freddie Freeman's been absolutely raking, while Matt Olson has been fucking sucking, which is just Braves, man. Baby, what is you doing? Uh, yeah, an MLB triple crown is a triple crown itself is historic. Um, if I recall correctly, the last triple crown uh, was Miguel Cabrera. I want to say in twenty thirteen, um, something like that. But triple crown at all is historic in your respective league. Um, and he's a super super good shot at that. I hope he wins. I don't like the Yankees, but. That'd be that'd be very cool if he wins a triple crown and then the Yankees flame out in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but he's very very likely to do that. The only players to win an MLB triple crown, which is the entire league you lead the average RBIs and home runs, it's only been done five times. And if you know even a little bit about baseball history and some of the names and some of the greatest players of all time, the guys who have done this are not surprising in the slightest. Uh, Mickey Mantle did it in 1956. Ted Williams did it in 1942. Lou Gehrig did it in 1934. So two Yankees on this list. Uh, Rogers Hornsby did it in 1925. And then Ty Cobb in 1909. Uh, a friendly reminder to all of us. Fuck Ty Cobb. Awful, awful human being. Very good baseball player. Documented sick, sick, sicko of a human being. Uh, but those five guys, I mean, that's 
that's five of literally the best players of all time. Like you could name all those guys as greatest players of all time without knowing they all did the MLB Triple Crown, because uh, they they are historically some of the greatest players ever. Um, two Yankees on the list. Could Judge be the third? I don't know. Freddie Freeman doesn't look like he wants to slow down, but I mean. 14 average points behind him with, like, what, 10 games to play? It's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think it'll happen, but that would be insane if it did. That would just be insane if that happened. Um, and so that is, uh, that's it for the podcast. Thank you all for listening today. I appreciate it. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at ML, uh at Chaos Ball 1977. Uh, please recommend me to all of your MLB friends, uh, Mariners friends. Uh, make sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Um, hopefully the Mariners pick it up. I uh, hope you guys have a very good week. I will see you next week, and uh, go Mariners.